Welcome to Live Culture. I'm your host, Martha Willette Lewis, and I'm delighted to be here live in the studio today with two guests. I have artists Linda Lindroth and Scott Schultz with me. And later on in the program, we're going to have um, Amanda Skinner, who is the CEO and director of Planned Parenthood Southern New England, on the phone with us. So, welcome, Linda and Scott. Good morning, Martha. Morning. So, you are both practicing artists, and Linda, you put together a, a project, an exhibit that is called Undue Burden, and I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about that. Well, Roe was overturned exactly three months ago today, mm-hmm. um, and that is actually the first trimester right. of uh, the end of freedom of choice Yes, right now for, for women in America. And this is a country where 61% of the people support abortion and think it should be legal. 61%. If you think about 61%, we don't even get 61% for a president. No. And, and, and also, honestly, it, it ought to be an individual choice. Of course. And it needs to be available. It, it's, there was an article in The Guardian today about how many women had had abortions without really realizing that that's what they were having when they had life-threatening emergencies. And um, they, they thought of them as miscarriages, but they're not. Right. You know, right. So. so anyway, you, Undue Burden is an art exhibit. It is. It is an art exhibit that uh, has taken place as a kind of a cri de corps, mm-hmm. a rallying cry um, for artists to speak their mind and to say something about this withdrawal of our freedom of choice. It's really outrageous. I know that many women are quite angry about it, but but men too. This implicates men as well. And you have a number of men in the, the exhibit and we have one in the studio today. Um, okay. And also when we say, when we talk about abortion rights, it's not just for women, it's for anybody who, because some people don't identify as women, but they have wombs. So I just think of it as people with wombs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, um, I talked to uh, Gabriel De Silva, mm-hmm. who is a gallerist in New Haven and a great friend of, of artists in the area. And um, October is a month in New Haven that has, over the last 30 years, been Open Studios, which is now called Open Source. Mm-hmm. And we thought that we could pr- produce an exhibit um, that would invite uh, 20 or so artists, uh, all from different media, to create a new piece of art, a political poster mm-hmm. on the subject of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And the artists um, that we invited, and I say we because I'm also working with Sally Hill. And Sally Hill was the one of the, was a, is a marvelous graphic designer who worked for many, many years running the um, Eli Whitney Museum. So she's she's very well known in town and beloved. Exactly. And we, Sally and I have known each other for 30 years. And so we invited artists, um, some of whom have uh, lived through trauma, disability, uh, a single mom, um, an artist who had an illegal abortion before uh, Roe. 
and um, and in indigenous artists and artists of color, and um, and they said yes, mm-hmm. and um, and they've been working since the end of June when we started on this, and produced twenty four inch wide posters. Um, that are outstanding in their wit and their humor and their direction and their color and their design, um, and they're all different. And the proceeds from the sale of these posters is going to go to Planned Parenthood of Southern New England, is that And right? we wanted to do it so that the artists not only could express their opinions, but they can make a donation. Mm-hmm. So they have donated their work all the work is for sale for the same price. Mm-hmm. Very uh, good. And all of the proceeds, every penny of the $250 for each poster, uh, will go to Plan- Planned Parenthood of Southern New England. That's wonderful. And I think about the, the poster idea as being a kind of offshoot of, and I don't know whether this is what you were thinking of, but at women's marches for a while now have become very important annual events and most of our sign making skills have gone way up as we've gone along you know um it's it's one of the the most pleasurable parts about this kind of protest is how clever and beautiful and funny and right on as well as being angry and to the point um the the posters are I mean the the banners are so that that's kind of what I was thinking of when I started my poster yeah so visual culture has become inclusive of Mm -hmm. all kinds of things and if you think back to the Obama hope poster Mm -hmm. that in recent uh, presidential elections was a very very popular one Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're we're sort of hoping that people are going to fall in love with the poster and want uh, one and enough want, to, yeah. and want to keep it. Yeah. So how many artists are in the show? So there are 20, including me. 20, including you. And Scott, you are one of the artists. Can you talk a little bit about what you made and what your impetus was? Uh, yeah, well, making making a poster kind of lets me revisit my mad magazine ambitions of being a 13-year-old. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a chance for me to be a smart aleck. Yeah. And... Um, Samuel Alito is a perfect target. He is a perfect target. So I mean, that's my poster. It's it's it's, a f- it's advertising a fake discussion with Samuel Alito, which of course wouldn't really be a discussion anyways because he's just going to tell you what he thinks. Right. Right. And well, and Lindsey you know, Graham is a good target as well, and and I think he made it onto George Corsillo's oh, uh, good. Po- poster. George Corsillo who is one half of the Design Monster team, really wonderful designer, did a poster that is reminiscent of a dartboard with various specific people on it. It's a kind of game board, I should say. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, the George's poster is, um, is filled with people that you'll recognize. Um, it talks about targeting hypocrites, mm-hmm. uh, Second Amendment rights. It's got a game over reset. Um, and again, all of these works are two-dimensional versions of things that could be three-dimensional. Yeah, so you have a couple of three-dimensional objects. I, I'm really struck by the kind of range of, of work here, and a lot of it is quite intricate and, requi- and you know, requires getting up close and really looking at it, which is sort of unusual for posters. Yeah, we have one poster by the artist Patrick Carroll, 
uh, who lives in, in Los Angeles. And he's a writer and a poet. Mm-hmm. And um, he bought himself a, a knitting machine while he was in graduate school. And he's made a sweater for us. Oh, wow. That has uh, the uh, text on it about some herbs and, uh, and, and potions that in uh, early times were used to create traditional remedies to uh, relieve a woman of her pregnancy. So that, yes. And that is something that we're all kind of looking at is, is these really awful homegrown solutions to to what could happen. It's just so dangerous as well as, I mean, (laughs) it's offensive and insulting. And, you know, I sort of think that anger is a great motivator but rage just kind of obliterates things, and it's hard not to be filled with rage about what's happening right now. Um, so, it, but I'm talking about anger and rage, but the show actually seems to have, it's really visually quite enjoyable because there is so much variety in there. It's, it's, it's a lot to look at, and it's a kind of feast for the senses. Um, can you tell us? Yeah. So when I was looking um, uh, at my list of invitees, mm-hmm. I was interested in Scott because he is an artist who's interested in history. He's interested in, in cultures. And um, I was interested in inviting Colleen Coleman um, because of her perspective on the African-American woman in history. And she makes these amazing collages. And her amazing, work is amazing, amazing, beautiful yeah. work. And, um, and, and the wit and humor of somebody um, like Kevin Van Elst, um, who did um, a, a wonderful rendition of a gavel, which I won't describe. I'll invite you to see it. Yeah, you have person. to see it. it. It makes perfect sense when you see it. And and Sally Hill did a lot of the graphics, our invitation and mm-hmm. uh, a poster, and she's working with the traditional Lady Justice mm-hmm. and the scales. Um, so there's some are very witty and clever, and some of them do bring in historic elements um, and and places. Can we talk nuts and bolts for a second um, yeah. about how one would go and see this? And it's free and open to the public, and it will be opening in early October. Yes, we um, we're going to hang the show next week, mm-hmm. and people who wander in can watch us. Great. Um, and then officially, it will open October second and run to October thirtieth. Great. During that time. Um, there will be um, an arts festival going on in the city of New Haven and on the 29th, uh, I'm sorry, the 28th and 29th, mm-hmm. um, there will be a reception in the gallery so you can come and meet the artist. There will also be another one. October 16th? On, on October 16th, which right. is a Sunday, which coincides with an opening at another gallery called Keeler Liddell. So that's really great to kind of partner with other local organizations and really it turns the whole thing into a kind of block party. Um, and West Haven is brilliant at doing this anyway. Right. And for people who are interested, the De Silva Gallery is at 899 Whaley Avenue in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, the hours are generally Tuesday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. We have some extra Sundays in our list, um, and they're open from 10 to 5. Right. But the dates that, that, 
people should really take note of because that's going to be where the artists will be present and there will be all kinds of other things going on as well. Um, the party part happens on October 16th and October 29th, right. respectively. Right. Yeah. So that's great. Is, is that on the De Silva website yet? Um, it is... Going, going to, be. to be. It's going to be. Soon by, to be on the uh, website. Okay. <laughs> by October 2nd, all the information. And hopefully all of the images mm -hmm. will be on the De Silva website and as well as a donate button. That is fantastic. Which you will be able to purchase one of these and the money will go directly to Planned Parenthood. In addition, um, we will have a fill the boot um, and you can make a smaller donation and get a bookmark oh. that we have made in Braille. Oh, how cool. Uh, so it has a visual function for sighted people, and mm -hmm. it's also in Braille, which describes um, our mission, which is mm -hmm. getting out the vote. Getting out the vote, indeed. I'm hoping that everybody is registered to vote. Uh, <laughs> Scott, you registered to vote? Oh, I'm always ready. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yeah. I am so ready to vote. Um, Connecticut is a pretty good place to be for reproductive health reasons. Um, from a male perspective, Scott, what did you think about this ruling? It, it was mean-spirited. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's, my poster is kind of, odd. that's why I picked on Samuel Alito, because he wrote he wrote the judgment on it mm -hmm. and he's, you know, he had to go. He went pretty far back he, to get. <laughs> he's going back to Matthew Hale in the 17th, 17th century, century who, I know. who sat on courts and burned witches. And also he, you know, um, he made the decision that husbands couldn't rape their wives. And so you, you he could, they could, it, they couldn't because mm -hmm. Oh, and right. It wouldn't, owned, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, right. It wouldn't be, right. It would never be called, right. Husbands, yes. Right. It would never be called, so, yes. So the, you know, you've, you've got three, four hundred years of legal precedence, precedence, and he has to go back to a witch trial guy to make a point. That's just mean. That's you just know, mean and nasty. But there's some things that we haven't really been paying attention to enough, I don't think, anyway, which is, like, we still don't have equal pay for equal work in this country. Um, women get paid less. It, 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 this is a major erosion of our rights. But there's been, there still is a lack of equality even before this happened on a pretty fundamental level that just doesn't seem to want to budge. And, and when you think about it, two years ago, we celebrated the centennial of the 19th Amendment. I know. And you know very well I because do. you did a wonderful I show at the Institute it, right. Library. And so we were thinking, you know, maybe there's going to be some momentum here. And look what's happened three months ago. It's so we're now in this kind of limbo. And the, the news stories are just horrific about it. Um, but well, it's, the, a, it's a step back. You, it, you know, to say the least, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're making progress on equality, and then all of a sudden we have to take this giant step back. That's just not necessary. And, it's and going, people are going to suffer, and the people who are going to suffer the most are the people who are the least wealthy and usually people of color. I mean, it, it's just, it's it's... Yeah, and in, in the long run, we're going to go back, we're going to go forward again anyways. 
it's just oh yeah this know, is a this is a this is a but it, it it's this temporary setback that really hurts people for the time being well and what really bothers me about it is that it's just such a lie that they care so much about children. This is about control. And it's like you said, this is only the start. They're going to start taking away other people's rights. You know, it's, it's all this is it. If, if, if the extreme right, the extreme Christian right cared so much about children, they wouldn't be creating problems with children getting healthy school lunches, for instance, or, or there would be more support for single mothers. There would be ways that children would be fostered and cared for in this country in, in radically different ways. Air-dropping immigrants to <laughs> right, exactly. the middle of nowhere, and good luck. Yep. You know, that's just not, there's nothing Christian about that kind of behavior. No, there isn't, and honestly, it needs to stay out of our politics, too, and I you know, I know that we were founded by some Puritans. Yes, there is no you in my uterus. Linda is holding up one of the posters now. Who made that one? Diane Nicewander. That's very nice. That's very nice. I am Martha Willett Lewis. This is Live Culture here on WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org. Live Culture is a monthly program about art and culture. And I'm in the studio live with Linda Lindroth and Scott Schulte, and we're talking about the show Undo Burden, which is about to open up at De Silva Gallery. And I'm just going to play a piece of music, and we will be back in a moment. So hang on. Welcome back to Live Culture. Um, I am your host, Martha Willett Lewis, and I have Amanda Skinner on the phone. Amanda, can you hear me? I hear you, Martha. Good morning. Good morning. Amanda, you are the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Southern New England, and I'm just delighted to have you on the program. Um, you're here with Scott Schulte, who is one of the artists in the show Undue Burden, and Linda Lindroff, who's an artist in the show and the organizer of the exhibit, are also here. Um, so welcome to um, Live Culture. Good morning. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And if I can just quickly say thank you to Linda and to Scott, to uh, uh, the gallery owner, Gabriel Da Silva, and to all of the artists that have contributed. Uh, we are so grateful for your support um, and for your use of art to 
uh, raise awareness and to lift up the struggle for abortion access and the impact on people's everyday lives. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for all you've done for us. Yes, I think this is one of the things that so many artists and there's a lot of artists listening to the show now. We have this feeling of what can we do? Um, How can we help? How can we participate? And I was hoping that you might be able to answer some of that. And then also tell us a little bit about what it's like at Planned Parenthood right now um, these days. Um, well, thank you. Um, thank you again, Martha. And thank you for the opportunity to be on the show with you all uh, this morning. And I actually listened to the first few minutes. Um, and um, so, you know, not everybody knows who Planned Parenthood is or knows our structure. So I, I thought I'd, I'd just start with a little bit about, like, what are we really all about as an organization? And it relates so much to things that were raised um, as you all were talking earlier. Our vision as an organization is a just society, one where sexual and reproductive rights are basic human rights, where healthcare is equitable, where it's accessible to all people, and where each person can live their healthiest life. The way we do our work is um, really helping to manifest that vision, make that vision real through the provision of healthcare services, through education and through advocacy, all centered on advancing equity um, and really protecting the fundamental right to sexual and reproductive freedom. And um, I heard you all just recognizing that um, this, you know, the, the circumstances we find are in now are really about creating a world where healthcare is not equitable it and certainly not isn't. To all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, uh-huh. things were already weird with COVID and sort of the situation with insurance and our healthcare system and, and what works and doesn't work was already kind of coming to the fore, but this is extreme. And in some places, I know that, that Planned Parenthood is the only healthcare available to people. people it's very popular, in fact. Yeah. Yes, we are, you know, as Planned Parenthood of Southern New England, we have 15 health centers across the two states that we cover. We cover Connecticut and Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. Um, 14 of those health centers are in Connecticut. Um, We um, are the primary health care provider for so many of our patients. We are the only place they come to for care. And it's because they know that when they walk into our doors, they're going to receive respectful care. They're going to be welcomed and feel like they belong no matter who they are, that the care that they receive is going to be high quality, that we work incredibly hard to take down barriers to Mm -hmm. accessing care. And they know that we won't turn them away no matter what, that our doors are open to them. That's amazing. And I know that you've you've done even more than that, the, the one the one near me has oftentimes a welcome booth out in the parking lot to make pe- people feel comfortable yeah. about coming in. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of the things that we do um, experience at Planned Parenthood um, is that there are sometimes protesters outside of our buildings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people may not think of that as a, you know, a barrier to care because it may not be a physical barrier because they can't physically block the entrance. But imagine you can be intimidated to go get health care. Right. Imagine you're just trying to you're just trying to go no matter what you're going for. But like you're just none of their business what you're going for. Um, And or you're just trying to come to work or you're just trying to come in to to volunteer. Right. And so we are so, um, you know, uh, uh, 
grateful for our welcome crews. That's what we call them. We have Mm -hmm. our welcome crews. Um, And those are volunteers um, who help us really lift up that our first priority is always the health and safety of our staff, our patients, and our community members. And that's one of the measures that we take so that they feel safe um, and that when they come into our space, again, there's somebody ready and willing to welcome them in. That's a beautiful thing. And so that makes it sound like you need some volunteers sometimes. <laughs> we do. You know, there are so many ways that people can um, engage with Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is certainly a moment where people are asking us, what can I do? How Absolutely. can I help? Um, and, you know, I, I guess I just want to take every opportunity to keep reiterating my gratitude to these incredible artists mm-hmm. who are using their talent as a way to help because one of the most important things we can be doing right now is raising awareness. Um, it's about talking about how this issue impacts all people, mm-hmm. that this is not just an issue of, this is not just a women's issue. This Absolutely is not, just not an issue of women's health, right? Uh, you said, Martha, I think mm-hmm. that um, there are trans and non-binary people that might seek mm-hmm. abortion care, but also anything that is about constraining our right to control our own bodies affects all people. So using their voices to do that is incredibly important. Um, we also want people to be talking about abortion, um, to be sharing their stories if they feel comfortable and mm-hmm. safe doing that, to share them anonymously if they don't. But one of the most effective things we can do to fight back in this moment is to destigmatize and to take shame away from people around abortion care, to normalize abortion as health care, and to remind people that that's really what abortion is. I think that is um, so, so important. And I don't know if you saw that article in The Guardian about uh, it, it was with Chrissy Teigen and her husband, John Legend. She's a model and, and he's yeah. a singer. And But the, she was they, it started off a whole discussion about the fact that there are lots of women who have had uh, what they thought of as miscarriages, which in fact were abortions because they were in life-threatening circumstances and the doctors who were treating them didn't have a choice. Um, right. And I thought that was really interesting about reframing what happened to you or what happened to someone, one, um, and realizing that, oh, I actually had that. Because some people may right, have had exactly. them without even really realizing that that's what that was. Exactly. Well, there's an activist um, uh, named Renee Bracey Sherman. She's the founder and executive director of an organization called We Testify um, that really lifts up uh, the experiences of people who've had abortions. And she says everybody loves somebody who's had an abortion. And she's absolutely right. Um, And so that's why I think storytelling, whether it's storytelling through art Mm -hmm. um, or just direct storytelling, is so important. And we're always looking for storytellers. Uh, people who are willing to share their stories. So you asked about volunteerism, and that's mm-hmm. actually a way to volunteer with us too. Obviously, oh, interesting. Our welcome crew um, is a way to volunteer with us as well. Mm-hmm. So is there some sort of good platform for sharing these stories? Is there something like a podcast? I mean, I realize I'm asking totally out of left field here. <laughs> Well, people can um, go to our website, which is ppsne.org, mm-hmm. and there's a little, you, they can click on, you know, get involved um, and um, go to the link to share their story. And just as an example, we actually held an event in the spring um, in Hartford um, at Theater Works where the 
sort of heart of the event was abortion storytelling. Renee Bracey Sherman was our featured guest, and we had um, a number of people. I shared my abortion story. One of our board members shared hers. Um, A former staff member of ours shared her abortion story. And in fact, somebody from the audience got up and walked up on stage and shared their abortion story. And I just want to say that you are also a, a, you're trained as a midwife. You're a professional midwife as well as running the organization. I am. I'm a certified nurse midwife, which I only Mm -hmm. differentiate from professional because there are midwives who call themselves licensed professional midwives. Okay. And I want to be respectful. (laughs) I want to be respectful of them. Um, So, um, so I'm a, I'm a nurse midwife. I have not practiced as a midwife for, for several years. I've been an administrator for Mm -hmm. um, uh, just, I was, I worked as a midwife for 10 years, but you can't take uh, the midwife out of a person. But I think this Um, is important because it, because it's, it's, you are also, you were, it's, they, the story is not that peop- that abortion clinics are about killing babies. It's about health care. And Planned Parenthood is also helpful if you are going to have a baby, right? Like it's not, right. it's not, it's not one thing or another. Um, That's right. And in fact, you know, while we at my affiliate, we do not provide, um, like we don't provide prenatal care, but we do see a large number of patients who come into us for a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And then we can help them get to the next best site of care. We can counsel them on nutrition and how to take care of themselves in their pregnancy. And we also provide primary care. And again, we provide comprehensive um, and preventive sexual and reproductive health care. And the best way to have a healthy pregnancy is to be as healthy as you can be going into your pregnancy, right? So the work that we do um, in helping people really have access to all the care they need to be able to be as healthy as they can be. So if and when they do choose to become pregnant, yeah. And they're in the best possible position for, for that in their lives. Right. You give vital support, I would say. And I, we're very lucky in Connecticut and in Rhode Island um, with, with the kind of care that we get. Um, but elsewhere in the country, I've been reading many, many stories that are deeply alarming. Linda's nodding her head. Um, yeah. Scott's nodding his head. Um, and I'm wondering about, and I don't know whether this is okay to ask about, but um, are people coming to Connecticut, maybe maybe that's an insensitive way of putting it. What is the link between Planned Parenthood of Southern New England and the and the overarching Planned Parenthoods across America? Yeah. Are you yeah, having to act so together in a different way than before? We are. Um, so um, first, I just want to say it's really devastating to see what's happening across the country. It's horrifying. Millions of people are being denied access to care. And um, one of you said this earlier um, and really lifted up that the people who are the most harmed by these bans are people who live in rural communities, people who are of low incomes, uh, communities of color, black women, anybody who's marginalized by the healthcare system as it exists already Mm -hmm. is only further marginalized and harmed by these bans. Um, It's it's horrendous. the idea that somebody should have to get in a plane and fly thousands of miles to access basic health care is just disgusting to its core. That being said, yes, people are coming to Connecticut um, to access abortion care at our affiliate. Um, uh, uh, and it's been, you know, their stories are, are, are just heartbreaking to think about the barriers that they have faced. You yeah. know, we should be about taking down barriers to care, not erecting barriers to care. And of course, uh, that's what's happening. Just last night, one of the cruelest uh, bands in the country in Arizona um, was allowed to go forward 
We yeah. are fortunate here. Um, uh, we are very fortunate here, and we have done, you know, um, you know, our focus is really on how can we expand access to care. Um, we passed in Connecticut the Reproductive Freedom Defense yes. Act this spring yeah. um, in partner with some incredible championship, champions in our legislature um, and incredible ally organizations and champions um, who work um, with us in coalition, Pro-Choice Connecticut, the ACLU and others um, to make sure that, that here what we are able to do is show other states what it's like when people can really actually um, access the care that they need. Um, we're super excited uh, to share that one of the most critical parts of that bill was allowing um, advanced practice clinicians to be able to perform first trimester aspiration abortion procedures because there is an incredible shortage of abortion providers. Oh, I hadn't even and, thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, our first uh, class, I'm putting class in air quotes, you can't mm -hmm. see me, but I am, um, <laughs> of, of advanced practice clinicians, our first round, have completed their training. Mm -hmm. um, and are, and that is a way that we are really, um, it's like in real time, expanding access to care to make sure that we are able to be there for anybody in Connecticut or Rhode Island who needs us, but also anybody who, um, as horrible it is, as it is, has to travel from out of state to come access care here. And I, and, and, I just want to say that that is in direct contrast to what happened in Arizona, where they have gone back to a law from 1864 that just prevents right. any kind of... Uh, alleviation it's it's just and they don't even nothing. call they, they use really weird language because the law is so old, old that's right. what that's I mean, the other thing really. like it, it's you know it's great that they're using laws that were written before we knew what germs were <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> really it's Honestly. really incredible um, um i i know that a lot of the people who need to cross borders to to get their health care um oftentimes don't have the least amount of, of funding to do this. And there are all kinds of organizations starting now with um, where you can fund somebody because it costs a lot, obviously, to that's right. even just get on a plane. And for some people, that's, that's just not possible. It's not an option. That's right. That's right. So uh, obviously, um, gifts to Planned Parenthood help us offset costs for people that are seeking abortion care services with us. There are also independent abortion funds, and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most um, critical messages I want to get across is that um, there is an ecosystem of organizations in the sexual and reproductive health and rights world um, in the fight for reproductive freedom, independent abortion pro funds, uh, abortion funds, independent abortion providers, Planned Parenthood. Um, we all have to be working together, mm -hmm. and we are are really um, leaning into the systems that allow us and enable us to work together as effectively as possible to support patients um, who do need to access financial support through the independent abortion funds um, to be able to travel um, and to access the care that they need at Planned Parenthood. So not only do we need to be working together across Planned Parenthood across the country, which we are doing, you know, um, even, uh, you know, through um, better contact centers and simple mm -hmm. entry points and online entry points into care um, and patient navigation to be able to make sure people get where they need to go um, and get the care that they need, but also by working with other partners um, to make sure that we're connecting the dots 
um, and really being there for the people who are counting on us. Thank now, you. Of course, that is so huge and so important. <laughs> thank you. Oh, well, you know, thank you again for having me. And uh, I'm so grateful for the, um, you know, clear and really unequivocal support for the work that we do at Planned Parenthood um, and for abortion rights in this country. Um, You know, there are a lot of polls out there. The numbers aren't always the same, but the numbers are always consistent. It is a commanding majority of Americans who support access to abortion, a commanding you know, majority of Americans understand that people deserve the right to have agency over their own bodies and to have dominion over their own lives and futures, including their ability to have children and when and whether to start a family. So. That just Yes, that's the part that I just find so enraging. It, 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 and, and you have to kind of get beyond that and, and go do something constructive instead. Yeah. We have uh, we have one of the posters in the show by Dr. Shirley Parker Levine, who is a retired physician in New York who I've known for almost 40 years. And she's always been a quilter in addition to her, her practice. And um, her beautiful poster has the words on it, such joy when families are planned. It's beautiful, yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, Amanda, I want I want yeah. to thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for being on Live Culture. And um, can you, you give the 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 website that people should look at? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So um, first, I would love for folks to like and follow us on social media. Great. Where you can find us at PPSNE um, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Um, so I hope people will like and follow us on social media. Our website is ppsne.org. Um, I want to encourage folks to engage in the civic process. It was just National Voter Registration Day. Please register to vote. Yes. Please make sure that you vote. Um, find opportunities in your own communities to get involved. Showing up matters. Using your voice matters. Reinforcing this message that abortion is not controversial, that access to abortion is something that is widely supported is so critical. Um, And especially, and I just, I hope you don't mind indulging me to take one moment to say that while we are in a great position here um, in Connecticut, we are not immune to potential national changes, right? Senator Brown introduced a national uh, abortion ban that would have grave consequences across the country, including here in Connecticut. Um, And things like that don't just impact abortion access, they impact providers like Planned Parenthood. And when Planned Parenthood is harmed, the millions of patients that we serve across the country are harmed. Thank you so much. Yeah, that is 100% true. And I want to thank you for being on the program. This was Amanda Skinner, the CEO and president of Planned Parenthood Southern New England. Thank you so much for being on Live Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you all. Bye-bye. So I'm in the studio with artist Scott Schulte and Linda Lindroth, and we are talking about Undue Burden, which is an exhibit that is about to open at the De Silva Gallery on Whaley Avenue in New Haven, Connecticut, and it is posters made by artists in support of Planned Parenthood of Southern New England. And, of course, uh, Linda is holding up a poster right now. What are you holding up, Linda? That was, that was your poster. I am holding up a poster um, made by Martha Willett Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a, a tree of life. Um, yes. And uh, with a lovely, beautiful Renaissance woman 
Um, can you talk about how yeah. you arrived at yeah, this, the, yeah. the creative process? So this is, my piece is a kind of collage overlay of a variety of old woodcuts um, and diagrams. And as an artist, I love diagrams. And um, this is called the Tree of Possibilities slash the Civil Body. And basically, I went to one of the very first legal texts ever written in a book. Um, it was from written in the years 529 to 534 and is a 50-volume set, um, the Corpus Juris Civilis, and otherwise known as the Body of Civil Law. And then in 1552, there was an edition where somebody named, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Apud Ugonim, um, did a printed version of it, and he made a tree diagram called the Tree of Substitutions. And that image had kind of stuck in my mind. That one, and then there's another one with small clerics pointing, which seemed very important, the size of the tree and the small clerics below it pointing and judging. And that was taken from Ramon, Ramon Lul's Tree of Science, which came out in 1663. And so my tree has an overlay of a kind of pagan goddess and she's a giant tree with all of the possibilities, which are kind of like body parts, wombs, lenses, but they're empty. They're, the, they're empty and full in that pregnant way, right? They're full of possibilities. Um, and she's being judged by these tiny men. And I got a couple of other men from alchemical drawings standing in front of a tree. And one of them has a rather menacing looking axe. And they are all sort of below making judgments on her. And meanwhile... Um, the moon cycles are going overhead and the, there's the suggestion of growing over time. And I was really struck by the fact that my body is, is a library of genetic information from my ancestors and it could contain more information as, a, as you know, moving forward. Um, and that that's mine, but it's also my ancestors and I'm expected to take care of my body and grow my body well if I want to have children or if I don't want to have children, I'm still expected to do this. And it's, it's sort of beyond horror that, that anybody else would be expected to weigh in there, especially since it is not my religion. And that part really bothers me. I strongly believe in the separation of church and state and for people to make their own religious choices for themselves, their own faith choices, their own, um, and, I think up until this moment, um, pro-choice is a problematic one because a lot of women never had access to abortion and healthcare, and we need to rectify that. It just need we need to level things out a lot more. And we're almost running out of time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I I also just wanted to mention that in um, Gabriel and I will have to lay out all of these uh, wonderful posters and to pair them and put them next to something on the left and right. Yeah, because I, they're going to be in dialogue, because that's one of the fun and, parts about curating. And I'm, I'm looking right now at uh, Martha's poster next to Brendan Zalamini's poster. Oh, I love hers. I love hers. Of, uh, a painting of her pregnant sister, Christina. Mm -hmm. And... And She's then, a very realistic painter, and, and this is a portrait of this woman just glowing. And it's um, quite beautiful next to yours, Martha. And then 
Next to that, The Mosaic by Beth Klinger of A Woman in Despair. Um, and Beth made the the mosaic actually, and then it was photographed and then made into a poster. And it's astoundingly beautiful. Um, and these I, three pictures of women is mm-hmm. really quite wonderful. I love the fact that you have a striking amount of texture in this show. You have a sweater, a mosaic, a quilt. Like it's it's there. There is flatter photographic art and and graphic design but there's a real variety of kinds of things that people are going there, to see none of these none of these look anything like the other I, that's what's great right yeah. right so there are 20 is that correct um, there are 20 artists and there are a couple more people who have done more than one poster. Oh. It's a very seductive um, Interesting. Invitation. People got really into it. Yeah. You know, when you first put out the call, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. It took me a while. I had to think about it. And then the minute I, I, I'd seen the tree of substitutions before, and it was sort of in my head, and it just took a while for the whole thing. But once it started, I got really, really into it, and I can imagine doing other, you know, more more. I think it's a great project. So for people who are interested in seeing this, it's at De Silva Gallery, which is at 899 Whaley Avenue in New Haven, Connecticut. And tell us the important dates again. October 2 to mm-hmm. 30th. Um, really going to open on October 4th because the gallery is closed on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Um, so the regular hours are Tuesday through Saturday with uh, several Sundays um, that are going to be open because this is a special exhibit mm-hmm. during, again, the Open Source Arts Festival in New Haven. So, um, Scott, are you going to be there on October 16th or October 29th? Yes. Yes. Both. Both. Okay, there, there we both. go. Great. And people can buy the posters. And if you purchase one, and some are by rather well known artists, so this is a good, you know, if you're interested in getting a good deal. Um, I, I'll just. Okay, I'll just quickly, uh, Kim Blackburn, Patrick Carroll, Mm -hmm. Colleen Coleman, George Corsillo, Jean Criscola, Sheila LeVrant, DeBrett Veal, Alex Gerard, Ruby Gonzalez-Hernandez, Luke Hanscom, Sally Hill, Beth Klinger, Shirley Parker Levine, Martha Willett-Lewis, Tim Nyswander, Scott Schultz, Kevin Van Elst, and Brendan Zalamini. So that's a that's an impressive list there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, thank you all. Um, they were terrific, uh, wonderful collaborators, um, and really into it. So we uh, have we have a few minutes left, um, and I wanted to see talk a little bit about the history of the poster, because in your press release. You talked about how posters have played a role in America's political landscape since 1824, um, and John Quincy Adams used one to announce his presidency. Is that the, that's the first time a poster was used for that? Um, th- that was my research. Yeah, that's really I, um, I did someone not know. will turn out something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, posters were used very commonly in the turn of the century to um, advertise. Um, uh, all kinds of things like uh, bitter Campari. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a poster from Italy dating to the early part of uh, the late 1800s. 
Um, so the poster, even though it's ephemera, um, appeared outside, and many have survived. Um, and, um, and, and certainly we, we've seen um, posters in the last uh, 25 years to be very much a part of our Oh, you can't um, imagine like a teenager's room, for instance. Absolutely. Posters are egalitarian. They're affordable art. And they also are a way of expressing one, one's own personality through the mass culture. And, and these posters in the exhibit are printed on very, very fine paper. Um, so it's not the traditional uh, dorm room poster. Um, um, it, they're they're beautifully made. Uh, color is very strong. The ink is is strong. Most of them are archival. Yeah. Um, and um, and they're just gorgeous. We're hanging them with magnets, mm-hmm. um, so uh, the the viewer can get very close to the the paper and see the detail. There won't be any reflections of glass, which I really um, appreciate. I like being able to see the texture. And one of the frustrating things about works on paper, oftentimes, is is having that yeah. texture so removed. You can buy one, and you can. Put masking tape and tack <laughs> holes in it yourself. You can put blue tack put your on own it. Tack holes in it. So for for listeners, Linda, you are, as a as a photographer and a person who makes prints on a regular basis, you are very very particular. I know that your printing process is deeply involved, and you make these incredibly pigmented and, and beautiful uh, things. Uh, a shout out to both Tim Nicewander and Luke Hanscom who um, helped me when I just threw up my hands in despair um, when I was printing a few of these posters, uh, especially for people who live in Hawaii and Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Um, uh, So uh, thank you, Luke. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, and I want to thank Lana Studios because I had Misty Hanscom print my poster, and I know that she also printed George's and Luke's. Um, and did a just beautiful, beautiful job. And there's nothing like, you know, people think that it's just sort of push a button and go, um, but it's not. It's an art. And uh, having local artists who perform services like this and really care about what you're doing and the fact that their studio is two doors down from De Silva Gallery, I mean, it's it's great to be part of a community like that where that, that this kind of thing exists. I'd, I'd like to take a moment to, to uh, also um, shout out to Dahlia Lithwick, who has a new book out called Lady Justice, mm. which just came out a couple days ago, and I started reading it. And it's about the women in law. And she's written um, about uh, a number of uh, legal cases, court cases over the last few years, uh, where women lawyers have really uh, changed the uh, direction of the law. Um, and I, I recommend it. So one of the interesting things that I learned when I was making the exhibit, Declaration of Sentiments, which was about the women's right to vote. Um, and it was about race and gender and all of those things. But one of the really interesting things was that one of the ideas with women getting the right to vote, the suffragettes thought that the suffrage movement people thought that women would be getting out there and would be changing the political landscape through their votes. And one of the more discouraging things that happened immediately upon getting the vote is that many women voted in the direction of their husbands and or just didn't vote at all. And 
So I guess I would like to say, please vote, (laughs) please register to vote. Let us change the political landscape with our voice. But it is really interesting when you have jurists who are women who are in fact um, working against other women um, or against the rights of other women and setting things backwards, which is what happened here with the Roe versus Wade overturn as well. Right. Like it's um, you would it seems counterintuitive that you would do things that would be harmful to yourself. Well, if you you think about the Supreme Court, we have um, three justices that are women Mm -hmm. and uh, we welcome Ketanji Brown Jackson. Goodness. Yes. (laughs) Um, But Amy Comey. Barrett. Barrett votes with the boys. Yes, and yeah. and I think and we can. Some of the boys are not really nice boys. No, they are not <laughs> nice boys, and we I think we can agree that this wasn't really a judgment so much as a political statement. They they put together their argument, but they had already knew what they were going to do. It was a, it was it was presumably under quite a bit of pressure they've as been, well. They've been waiting to do this. They've been waiting to. They've do been it. waiting. Yeah. So on that note, Undue Burden opens in October. October 2nd. October 2nd at De Silva Gallery. And I have been in conversation with Linda Lindroth, who is the artist who organized the exhibit, along with Sally Hill. The two are curating this exhibit of posters. All sales, all proceeds go to Planned Parenthood of Southern New England. And I've also had Scott Schulte, who's one of the artists in the show, and... I want to thank you both for being on Live Culture. Thank Um, you, Arthur. So next month on Live Culture, well, let me just put it this way. Live Culture is a monthly program that happens on the final Saturday of the month from 11 until 12 noon. And I will be back in the studio next month with another program. But also, uh, you can listen to this show on a podcast. It will be on a podcast later on. So I will be posting that, announcing it, and hopefully... Um, If you missed some or part of this, you can catch it again on the archives as well for up to two weeks. So thank you so much for being with us. Bye-bye. Support for WPKN and Hispanic Heritage Month comes from listeners like yourself and Segura Viudas Cava, a Spanish sparkling wine produced in the traditional method with 800 years of winemaking heritage. Committed to the environment, the winery practices sustainability and protecting its biodiversity. Segura Viudas Cava. Respect the roots. More information at seguraviudas.com. WPKN supports Hispanic Heritage Month with a number of WPKN-produced events. On Wednesday, September 28th, at the Bijou Theater in downtown Bridgeport, we present the biographical film Cesar Chavez, focusing on the life and impact of this American labor leader who co-founded the United Farm Workers. Doors open at 7 p.m. 
The film screens at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $10 and available online at bijoutheaterct.net. On the next Alternative Radio, hear Arundhati Roy on the RSS, Fascism in India. That's Alternative Radio, Monday mornings at 6 on WPKN 89.5 FM, Independent Community Radio. I'm Ralph Baskin, a WPKN volunteer supporting sustaining members in our member card program. I've spoken to many of you during fund drives. Sustaining membership is one of the best ways you can support WPKN, helping us budget and plan better to provide more of what you expect from the best radio station in the world. There's a benefit of sustaining membership that gives something back to you. The WPKN member card. You get two-for-one dining offers and other savings opportunities across our area. There are travel benefits for car rentals, hotels, and theme parks, too. If you live outside our area, you can also find offers where you live. Benefits are automatic for a donation of $15 or more per month and are in addition to any gift or premium you already received. Member cards renew every year you remain a sustaining member. Questions or issues with your sustaining membership? Email me at membercard at wpkn.org. If you're already a sustaining member, thank you. If not, please consider it by going to WPKN.org and clicking the red Donate button. One of the many fun and useful things on our website at WPKN.org is the WPKN online community calendar. You'll find it under the drop-down menu labeled Community on our homepage. There you'll find curated listings of live and virtual events of all kinds presented by organizations in our listening area and beyond. And there's a form you can use to send us information about your event. The WPKN online calendar. It's a great way to find out about interesting events happening all around you. Brought to you by your community radio station, 89.5 FM WPKN Bridgeport. There are many older adults and people with physical disabilities who need help to remain independent at home. People are living longer, and many are struggling to get everyday chores done on an ongoing basis, unable to pay for private services to keep up their home. Your Community Cares is a no-cost solution for our participants, where neighbors help their neighbors in every town so they can age in place at home. The need for this solution is great because 10,000 people are turning 65 every day. And with fewer people in the workforce, neighbors will need to rely on free volunteer support in their neighborhood. People are not seen because they are behind closed doors. For those in the aging and disabled community that may be unwilling to ask for help, the message would include, everyone needs help sometimes, and it's okay to ask for help. Acts of kindness are needed in every town. More information is at URCommunityCares.org. Are you or someone you know a victim of a crime? Crime victims in the state of Connecticut have constitutional and statutory rights that allow them to be involved in the criminal court process. The Office of the Victim Advocate assists with providing resources and services for crime victims. More information is available at www.ct. Dot gov forward slash ova or one eight 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 seven seven one three one two six.
Hello, I'm Ed Hamill, a.k.a. Hamill on Trial, and this is WPKN Bridgeport at 89.5 FM and online at WPKN.org.